If you don't know it by now, I can be a bit controversial on how I handle my business and in how I coach other designers about their business. Running a design firm or any small business for that matter is not a one-size-fits-all wrapped up in a pretty bow. It's about building the framework from the ground up and having a solid foundation that will make it recession-proof. The Design Paradigm is a comprehensive and powerful coaching program for interior designers wanting a challenge and looking to grow. It has epic twists and turns in the way you might think about business. If you are a little rebellious in thought, want to win it, avoid groupthink, don't care what others are doing, and want a sustainable business over the long haul that makes you stand out, then the Design Paradigm is the right place for you. We will be a partner in reimagining and refocusing your business from the ground up. Find out more at theinteriordesignparadigm.com. There are so many ways to make business work for you, and there does not need to be a one-size-fits-all because, let's face it, one size does not fit all. But only a few people have the insane determination to do the work that has to be done, focusing on the pinnacle not to just build a business, but an outstanding one. Building a franchise for your specific brand must become part of your business DNA by going where others are either too scared to venture or too asleep at the wheel to care. Welcome to the Damn Good Designer Podcast. Join host Cheryl and Liz, the visionary and integrator balancing all the moving parts of a full-service interior design firm. Get ready for a wild ride as they challenge the norms, challenge the industry, and challenge you with damn good truths about what success looks like today. Now your hosts. Hello, Design World. Thank you for joining us today. I am here with Liz O'Matic, and we are very excited to talk to you today about the topic that we are going to cover. But Liz is in town today also, and we're getting things done. Whether Cheryl wants to or not, we're getting things done. Whenever Liz is physically present, she brings an energy with her that is super strong, and we love it, but also she makes me work a lot harder, and I work hard enough as it is. We have lots on the list for this week. Yeah. Lots of exciting things. (laughs) And the funny thing (laughs) is, is she hasn't really shared with me this list or anything, and I know that she's got, well, what are we doing Wednesday? We're doing two. Do you really have to keep that appointment? Cheryl, because I really don't have time for you to get your hair done this week. So I was like, I think that the scheduling is probably going to be a little tight. Yeah. We'll all need a nap by the weekend. Yeah. What have we got on the, why don't you just tell us, tell me in the world right now what's going on this week. Well, we're aiming to install a very big project downtown on Thursday, which feels like a huge moment of closure because this job has strung out. There were all sorts of issues. Yeah, Yeah. With the original permitting and all that. And then we've got some more countertops going in down on the bayou, which is very exciting on another remodel that we're excited to wrap up. And we got furnishings all sitting ready, pretty in our warehouse, ready to go. So we'll have some progress on that job this week. And then we've got a couple meetings. Cheryl has some consult meetings as well. I do. You Mm -hmm. do. So (laughs) it'll be a mixed bag. It's like a a big party over here. I don't know about y'all, but I don't always look ahead. I can only deal with one day (laughs) at a time, I think. Sometimes I can only look at what's ahead of me. And we have a kitchen and bath class starting tomorrow Mm -hmm. um, is Tuesday. And we have that starting. And I'm kind of hyper-focused on that because this is sort of a brain dump of everything I've learned in 23 years. So 
I'm just keep thinking of things and going, oh my God, I got to add that back. <laughs> I got to put this on there. So I have been totally focused on that. So after Tuesday, Liz, you can have me but between now and noon tomorrow, it's going to be a little tight. So mm-hmm. anyway, all right. So let's get going today. Today's topic is about where we are today as an industry and where we are going. This probably will be sort of a short intro to this topic and we'll pick it up again in a different format as I have lots and lots of to say about this. And I know that, that we don't like to keep really long podcasts if you're like me, you like to get some nuggets and then move on to something else. So that's what we're going to try and do here today. Okay, so the seller, that would be us, doesn't control the narrative any longer. We're in this full-blown client and customer and consumer revolution. The last few years have given us so much more than simply the internet to contend with. I mean, we used to think that the internet was the was the big bad problem that we had in our lives, right? And the people have spoken. They've claimed their rights as owners of the pocketbook mm-hmm. and the, the funds. And we as sellers aren't going to have the same control as traditionally, you know, sellers have had in, in decades past. It's, it's been a different selling dynamic when you are the ones with the goods, okay? And it's not going to be, it's just not like that anymore. And I feel strongly we have to meet these consumers where they are and work towards building this cult following of sorts for our brands, a franchise within our target audience, okay? So I know that's like heavy, big marketing stuff going on. You know, that's what I'm saying. This is probably going to be more than one episode here. But I think that there's too many designers not meeting clients where they are. It's just sometimes you're just a little slow on the uptake, right? And thinking about how you want to run your business, because a lot of coaches say that. And that's true to an extent. I'm not saying you don't run your business the way you should. But if you want to be relevant going forward, you still have to meet clients where they are today, right now. Some successful designers are already prioritizing personalized experiences and and their services, personalized services, and thinking of other services to their ideal audience. Because you've got the ideal consumer, you've got the ideal client, let's say. Well, now how can you take that and go, I guess, really more horizontal with that marketing uh, instead of vertical, verticality where you're just getting more and more consumers, but horizontal where you're taking that one consumer and you're able to spread that out more. You know what I'm talking about, Liz, with that sort of thing, that that kind of deal. I mean, it's I'm trying to explain it the best way I can. I'm not sure if vertical or horizontal is the best way to go, but taking that one consumer, but then really thinking about what other services, what other things can you do? You you find this great client and you love her to pieces and you're like, oh my God, I just wish they would buy another house, you know, and build another one. We do have clients like that already. But right. if you think about it, Liz, we have a core group of clients and we have been doing this without even realizing it about going very horizontal with them. Well, it's like being more dynamic in how you approach interacting with clients and thinking about how can we stay engaged with them? How can we stay present in what it is that they might need or what they might want to do next? I mean, how many meetings have we had? We're not even halfway through our creative presentation for one space. And Cheryl's saying, why don't we build a tiny house on the back of the property? (laughs) Just planting those (laughs) little seeds. Because again, we like working with certain types of clients and sometimes asking for what you want is a good way to get there. But it's also really about being aware of the fact that a lot of these people who we have been working with for many years, we have relationships with them and they enjoy it as much as we do. So it's a really fun way to engage your business in a more broad spectrum with one client and see how their growth builds too over time Mm -hmm. in terms of design. I think of Preston all the time with this. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. And it's also understanding how the worldview of those that we want to influence will affect their purchasing decisions. There's a lot to this, but it's, you know, it really doesn't even matter who you are, whether you're an attorney, a small retailer, a designer, or even a vendor. Selling to anyone these days, your task in today's world is to build a franchise within your tribe of people. What got you where you are today is not sufficient to keep you there. And I don't know who in the world said that way back <laughs> long, but it's certainly not my quote. But I love that. And I've in use that so many times to my team is that, you know, where you are today is not sufficient to keep you there. You have to maintain this relevance in this industry. This is one of the fastest growing industries or changing, I really should say growing also, but changing industries of any out there. I mean, I think all industry is changing to a certain degree because the society is changing so much. Mm -hmm. But I think this is something that we really have to be thinking about and understanding. And when you have less clients and you're going more horizontal with them and you're able to maintain your business and support your team and all that sort of thing. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. Don't you think, Liz? Oh, certainly. I think the whole idea too about being able to be more proactive in how it is that you engage as you see things shifting, as you feel things mm -hmm. shifting, both within your own business, but also in the type of you know inquiries that you're getting or just the interests that you have yourself. The way that you sort of cultivate your brand over time may change a little bit. So being able to identify that, to sort of step back and take a look and really sort of see the playing field for what it is. I mean, we're constantly getting leads where I think to myself, you know, I, I can just wait to see what sort of email response Cheryl will have to this because she'll be <laughs> like, Liz, that warehouse I've been talking about wanting for all these years, <laughs> this would be a perfect project. This is would 100% support that. Yeah, until the prices went up too high. There you go. But it really is about being a little more attuned to what it is that you're experiencing, how it is that you're growing your own business, what you want to do more of, and what you see coming in the door. I mean, let's be honest, you know, we don't like to lose a potential sale. So for us, we always are trying to kind of figure out some way to turn it into something good. Yeah, I think that that's something that we've been doing without even thinking about it is being able to, well, here's the thing. It's like, so you get leads and we get a lot. I mean, I just did a, a post it in Small Business Think Big that we had, I think, 18 leads in 28 days, something like that. Now, they're not all great leads for our firm and how we do things, but these are people that are calling us. These are people that want to do business with us. And I take that really seriously. So it's something about trying to meet them where they are so that we can try and develop a service for that. Now, if you're a solopreneur and you're super busy, then you're probably not going to be able to necessarily do that. But I also want to caution everybody is that for the last three years, do not let that lead you into thinking that that's the way business is going to to be always because it's not. Mm -hmm. And when people talk about slowing down right now, I'm like, is it really slowing down or is it just getting back to normal? And I think that is something that all of us have to consider is, are we situated now when we were so busy and so crazy that you were making all these, you know, sometimes draconian rules about how you do business and, and all of these things, is that really the way to manage your business going mm -hmm. forward? And I, I think also managing consumer expectations really it's the new normal, the economic proposition where we have to hone our skills in this sort of detective forensic sort of way and discover how to appeal to not one or two demographics, but hundreds of them. Yes, hundreds of demographics and subsets of people because consumers are making choices now based on not what they can get, 
not like back in the 100 years ago where you went to the five and dime or to the general store and you got your flour and your dungarees all in the same place because people can get anything. But on information from sources that go way beyond traditional marketing efforts, figuring out what those sources are and how to influence them is just one marketing dilemma we face today as designers and, and really as small business owners. And not to mention where to find these people mm. that are going to speak to your tribe and speak to your brand franchise that you need to develop. But first you have to develop that. And every consumer is a fully formed demographic of their own these days with varying ideas, tastes, needs, wants, all of that. I mean, we talk about individualism, you know, well, we've got those individuals now for sure. And back in my old days of radio, we coveted the women 25 to 54 demographic in our FM station and, and the 35 plus demographic in our news station. And now it's like those words are almost archaic. I don't even know if they teach that in, in marketing anymore because it's so micro and everything is so micro. And it's all about these specific subsets of those demographics and whatever particular tribe that they might identify with. So it appeals to my marketing heart for sure as a major challenge, but it is a brave new world to figure out too. Oh, Rhea. And I mean, we've been hot on this for the last, I don't know, it feels like six, eight weeks or so, because we do get a lot of leads that are maybe a little bit smaller scale or that are catering to a client that's a little bit younger, that's not going to be making the same type of investment right off the bat, but who can grow into something. And we're trying to figure out a way to be more proactive to identify how can we cater to them? How can we grab them and engage them in the same way that we're handling clients that have much bigger budgets who are giving us a lot more creative freedom? And how can we make that work for our company? Yeah. Is it something that we want to be doing? Is it something that's going to make sense for the growth of the brand and our team here and the young designers who want to be able to grow into more of that role? It's an opportunity. And what's difficult, of course, is that in the day-to-day, -day, we have our regular work to do. So, of course, it would be easy to kind of settle in and just say like, well, we can't really worry about that now. But I think that's, you go back to that whole integrator visionary podcast, but this is the kind of brilliant and amazing thing about sort of how Cheryl operates is that somehow she finds the energy at whatever time it is in the middle mm -hmm. of the night to say, you know what, we need to think about that. We need to work on that. Like, how can we figure you that Steph, out? You and, and Stephanie <laughs> live for those emails. I just know you do. I know you do. Well, it's good because it, it keeps us on our toes too. And I think, again, it's very easy to get into a routine and a rhythm and the slog of just trying to get everything done every day. But that isn't how you grow a business. You can't just continue to plod along and assume that the balls that are in the air right now are going to be there in a couple months. And that's something that's always been so ingrained in our discovery process with new leads. Yeah, absolutely, too. So on one hand, we're talking about like this horizontal sort of marketing where you are going deep on a person. It might be vertical, though, Liz. Now I think about it. Is it horizontal or vertical? I don't know. Anyway, but whatever the case may be, you know, being able to do that with our tried and true, really core clients that we are going to continue to cultivate and build relationships with and try to meet them, meet their needs, you know, what their needs are. Maybe that's a, an extra service where we go and fluff and zhuzh, you know, like mm -hmm. once a quarter or something or whatever. Maybe there's other diversification there. Maybe we, we start a plant service and, and <laughs> we, we go and deal with Susan's that plants because I never like the flower she has there. And, yeah. and we hook up with some, I don't know, we I'm have, just totally making that up off the cuff We have plenty here. of people who can't keep a plant alive yeah, to yeah, save their life. Uh, that would be a great few. service to provide. Yeah, exactly. So that's on one 
one hand. All right. So this is all about maintaining relevance and then and being also seeing what else is out there to grow your business as well. And and of course, again, I have a team, so I have to keep them busy. I have to keep them gainfully employed. Right. So the other part of this is is meeting people where they are in terms of their service needs. So I think you have to really think about, you know, what is it that is cultivates, motivates, and excites your best clients? You know, do you actually know what that is? And maybe they're not your best clients yet because you haven't yet to get to know them, but do you know what that really is? And are you asking them? Is anyone asking us as designers? Some vendors do. I was at a Delta Experience event recently and they asked and we loved that. We loved giving them this really awesome feedback from our perspective. Now, whether they do anything with it or not, I don't know. But what about other vendors? I would love it if a vendor called me up and said, Cheryl, what excites you about our products? What excites you about our showroom at market? I mean, really, wouldn't that nice be a a flip of the script, right? No, yeah, instead of us having to harangue them for ways that we can grow our sales and how can we get better pricing? And constantly you'd think that maybe they would be wanting to engage more and wanting to get us new samples and wanting to foster that relationship more so. You would think so. And and maybe they're in for a little bit of a of a wake up call too, mm, when, probably. you know, the last three years, I mean, people have just gotten a little bit out of the mode of servicing your best clients and, and making that a reality. And no one asks us about what we think, or what about just like a little card in the mail that says, Hey, we would really like to hear your feedback from our showroom. You know, mm. could you please jot this down or doing it while you're at the showroom? I mean, that's a great idea. I just pulled that one out of my butt right now, but I'm going to have to call Brian at Vanguard and tell yes. him that because it would just really be nice. If you had that intel, I mean, I just love that intel. And what I will do is go downstairs sometimes because usually I'm running upstairs hiding from anybody downstairs because I have things to do. (laughs) And so I can't always find the time to talk to people. And then there's times where I really want to do that. And so if I do get downstairs and I'm talking to a customer on the retail floor or something, I really want to know, like, what is it that drew you to us? And what is it that you want to see more of? And what do we not have in this showroom that you want to have? And this is what I mean about savvy designers having to really meet the consumer where they are and with the right methods of engagement and the attitude and the personality and the, the true desire to find out what people think. And I'm not really sure that a lot of people do care anymore. I'm not really sure that a lot of people really value that input, at least, I mean, it takes more work to get it. And well, yeah, let's be honest. I think that there probably are, I mean, I don't know, I guess it depends on the situation, but when you open up Pandora's box to asking questions like Mm -hmm. that, who knows what you're going to get back. So maybe there is a kind of fear factor in that for a lot of business owners. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean- Feedback is so critical. And even when it isn't good feedback, even when people have things to say, it absolutely humbles us to a point where we can identify like this is something that we need to reconcile. We need to figure this out. And we all need it at every level, whoever you are, whatever sort of position you have within the business, you have to be able to take that with a perspective of I'm going to grow from this. We're going to figure this out and we're going to figure out how to be better. But that's the whole idea of getting feedback from clients or from people who maybe don't move forward. Where We kind of always play that little cat and mouse game when a lead gets mm-hmm. in touch, but then we don't really hear back from them after we've had maybe our discovery call or it doesn't seem like it's a fit. It's like, we really want that information. Cheryl's like, figure okay. out some way to get, to, get to figure out, did they hire someone yeah. else? Like, what did they do? Because even knowing that they didn't move forward with us, 
there's value in some of that information right. if we can get it honestly. Right. And it doesn't, it's fine if they, if they went to somebody else. A lot of times it maybe just life gets in the way. I think that happens for a yeah. lot of people. Although I will say, I think it's rude to ghost people. You should at least say, you know, hey, I'm not going forward. I mean, I've always yeah. done that with any kind of professional situation. And it's not just like giving a card out and saying, here, fill this card out or sending something back or whatever. You've got to get, people are busy. Let's face it. You've got to give people a reason mm. and, and to get that feedback. You really do. And, and you want to find out, do your clients clients value only price or convenience, curated style, concierge level service, community fields. I mean, what is their hot button? And if you say price, then you probably are in the wrong industry or marketing to the wrong people. And as a seller of just about anything, considering that viewpoint of your desired audience is what really will enable you to help them buy. You want to help them buy, help them be satisfied with their purchase and create this brand advocate franchise, one client or customer, if you have a retail store like we do at a time. We have this really unique opportunity to build a more intimate relationship with the consumer because we can affect people more personally ourselves as designers than large multi-store operations can do. I mean, when's the last time that you got really great service from mm -hmm. a big box? Other than the, our local Lowe's, I tell you, they do a great job. Shout out <laughs> to the local Lowe's because they do a great job of really coming up and trying to help and all that. But not all businesses are that way. And it takes that manager of that local store to really put that into their ethos about it. And I don't think it's that way for everybody. And right. we, we cannot be transactional. Okay. We cannot be transactional anymore. We just cannot do that. And I think sometimes, even though you think as a designer, you may be really going for the relationship and that sort of thing. I don't see it sometimes in some of the comments that we get or the people, the, the posts that are in Facebook and that sort of thing. And, and even sometimes with people like coach and we must really focus on building these relationships very carefully and very intentionally. I mean, we call it being client centric in our world, you know, but there's no time to waste on this. Assessing your strengths, your team's body of knowledge, where your end game is taking your business and how you will get there is sort of a mission critical right now. And I mean, Today, Liz, today, we're going to talk about this. And you probably already got me all planned out for the rest of the day. Well, it's funny that as you're saying that, I'm thinking about, I always used to, my grandfather was a mechanic and I always thought it was brilliant that he lived in this small town his whole life. And he had this like upstanding relationship with freaking everyone who walked around, everyone knew him. And it almost is like, it, wouldn't it be nice to get back to that type of mentality where you become better known both by your clients and just by the local population for what it is that you do. It's like this, like hearkening back to really identifying that it's not just an opportunity to sell to a client when someone gets in touch with you. Yes, this is a project. Yes, you have to be profitable as a business, all of that. But you have this chance to create a foundation for something that will help not just your yes. portfolio for the short term, but that can become something more in the long term. And I mean, I think about even our, our holiday events and the candle studio and the other little things we have going on here. We have a lot of people who really love this place and who love the energy that comes along with it. They might not be in here shopping every week, but they definitely pay attention to what it is we have going on. And I think that is because there's a constant pivot that we're trying to make and a constant attention to pay to people and really identifying this is how we're gonna make this a great experience for them. This is how we're gonna find a way to dig through this and figure it out. And the goal at the end is for them to be so enamored that they wanna come back for more. Right. And right. I mean, let's be honest with a big remodel, you might not get that every day, but 
every couple of years isn't such a bad thing. Yeah. But again, I think that's a whole nother late night email about how you can build service into it, like sort Mm. of the warranty service program or something for, for design or something like that. And then I think part of this is really asking questions, Mm -hmm. finding out what the clients really do want from you. Like I said, getting out on the floor, if you're a retailer, talk to everyone. And if you're a designer without retail, then are you doing an exit interview maybe after the job is done? I mean, that's kind of scary a little bit, but you know, are you doing that? Or how about simply sending out a small gift and asking people some key questions about how they want to do business and what might you be able to do better next time or what they would like to see from you? Maybe they will give you your best ideas. Have you ever thought of that? I mean, I'm working on one of these now for our own firm. So it's something that I don't even think I've talked to Liz about it, maybe no. to Stephanie. Some, well, sometimes I can only, I think you can only handle so it's much true. of the Cheryl idea a minute, you know, um, the marathon, the marathon ideas of all that, because I do have a lot of ideas all the time. It's constant idea factory over here. And, you know, half of them are like, okay, that's really a dumb idea, but you got to do it. That's what the secret of brainstorming, right? right? But this is something that I really want to do to build this authentic relationship and find out how I can be of best of service to meet their needs and then reconcile this in a way that makes financial sense for you. The balancing act is real for sure. I mean, it it really is. But let me give you a little, a little damn good truth before we even get to the end. People want to help you, but we're not mindful of it day to day. I mean, all of us, the clients, the consumers, ourselves, whatever, we're victims of the busy world in which we live. But if you actively and genuinely care about the experience they wish to have and are passionate about what you do every day and ask the right questions, people will bend over backwards to help shape your future. And this is the gospel, according to Cheryl, because I totally believe this. I have seen it happen in my first career in radio. I have seen it happen in advertising. I have seen it happen in our retail shop, in our design, in the coaching, all of that. But people just aren't everyone's busy. You know, they're just not mindful. I mean, how many times do you stop and and say to somebody, hey, you know what? That was really great service. You know, I I really challenge myself Mm. to do that a lot. Just stop and say, you know what? We're going to write a letter for this person. We're going to do this. We're going to go out of our way to make a big deal about this so that people know. And you know what? Maybe sometimes the businesses don't care at all. And maybe sometimes they do. I thrive on every one of those those comments that oh, people yeah. give us. I mean, let's be honest too. When you have a day and then you get a great little email or a snippet from a sub yes. or something like that, it just totally turns your whole world around. But it's a much more- Or the more... card we got from Sally the other day. Yes. That's on my desk because I know. you haven't seen it. We I have this client who every time she sends a payment also, which is obviously brilliant. We love that. But she writes these handwritten cards every time, you guys, every single time. It's a throwback. When was the last time, let's be honest, when was the last time that you wrote a card to someone? I was just thinking to myself, I need to send a card to someone because I have all these great cards that I never send because I buy them at the card store and then never do anything with them. But it's like, how much does that brighten your day? It's just a more authentic and proactive way to get in front of someone. And in the same way that we're talking about with clients and, and with new business and even in the retail perspective, being able to really engage people because it forces them to slow down, I think, and Mm -hmm. to really acknowledge like, man, that was like such a treat. It was such a a genuine interaction that I was able to have. And when that's what you experience, you want to like 
pay it forward. You want to spread that around. And when it comes to what it is that we do here, I mean, let's be honest, we've got clients and customers who come from all different backgrounds and all different walks, but I love it when they pop back up and we're able to kind of reminisce about things or look back mm-hmm. at our before photos or whatever it is that, that happened and just be reminded that like that was such a great opportunity. It was such a great experience and it means something. It brings that fulfillment back to you for why it is that you do this every day and you know why we put up with the slog and why the subs are are worth it even though some of them owe me like a trip to the salon this month because gray gray hair is getting a little out of control but obviously i'm digressing a little bit here but i just think that it really does matter when you're being more aware and you're kind of slowing down to sense what's going on around you both with your vendors and with your clients i mean you know right. even with our accounts i feel like it's a constant and, and it's a same you know, little dance. you know you can say well I, I get these reviews from the client okay so i'm asking for that but you're really not that's not the same as right. getting feedback okay and it's scary okay believe you me i am a little a little apprehensive <laughs> about that sometimes too about thinking about that when I've, I've been kind of developing this program to want to get feedback from our clients not just but I'm, I'm trying to do it in a little different way because, you know, I'm cursed with the wanting to be creative about it. So it takes a little longer to get it off the off the ground. But I think that the idea behind it is just getting it. We set the stage really well for people when they call us. Liz and I both feel very intentional about every call. We don't turf them to some sort of automated system or anything like that. I mean, we, we are they're going to get a real person here. And that is really important to us. And I don't criticize smaller businesses for not doing that, because I think that it would be difficult if I didn't have the team. I don't think I would be able to answer you know, that many and call them back and, and engage and talk to them. But we are intentionally grateful for every single call that comes our way. We truly are. That is absolutely part of the ethos of the company. And it has been that way since day one, that I want to be that way. It's just the way that I was raised in the business, I guess. But the feedback part of it is really, or the review is really more about you. And the feedback is really more about the client focus, you Mm -hmm. know, because it's about their experience and what they had and what they did. And maybe you wouldn't agree with them. Maybe they complain about the contractor taking too long or whatever that has nothing to do with you. But what great intel that is, Mm -hmm. what great intel that is that that's their perception. And maybe that tells you something about managing their expectations a little bit more, right? I was just going to say, it's, I feel like that's the way to actually really get in there and see, like, did you do the job you think you did, even though they were quiet and they were happy at the end or whatever, did they feel like they were getting the level of attention that they needed? Did they feel like you were on top of it? Did they feel like you were reeling and things were too busy? What is it that they really took away from the overall? And what does that tell you you need to do moving forward? This is something that Cheryl Mm -hmm. and I talked about this morning, but it's like, we have to be able to look at things and really decide, even with our process, is this really working the way that we need it to? Are too many things falling through the cracks? Are we feeling like it's too much effort and we're, we're doing all this documentation, but it's not really paying off in the ways we need it to? All of those type of things go back to this idea of really wanting to be more aware and present of how it is that we're handling our business and how it is that we're cultivating things for clients who work with us because their experience will be superior if we're able to really identify the areas that are not strong enough to get us through to the end every time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I can't overstate the value of passion 
in your business also and feeling passionate about it, it is contagious, y'all. It really is. And clients can feel this. Whether they show it or not, they can feel it. In a world where standing out is critical, in an industry where standing out is critical, passion is the key ingredient in achieving success in my book. Okay, it really is. And I feel like the day that I lose that passion, of course it ebbs and flows and there's days where I just wanna go home and go back to bed or whatever, just like everybody else. But the day that that goes away for good is the day that I need to hang up my ruler, it really is. Because that is that is my stock and trade, is my excitement and my passion for the industry, for the business, for sharing with other designers. I mean, that's a relatively new passion in the five or six years, but I love that. There's not a single designer that I've ever worked with that would not tell you that they know in their heart that I actually care about the outcome and what's going on. And my best advice to any designer and those I mentor is to never conceal your enthusiasm. Don't get so highfalutin that you're not excited about the chair that Liz checks in and that is got, she sends me a picture of it and it's just got the most beautiful passementry on it, or it's got this cut velvet that's gorgeous or whatever, all of those things. You, you just can't ever take that stuff for granted because that is really what fuels a lot of our creativity. And, mm-hmm. and the passion and the excitement is a huge part of your transactional currency. It really is. It's part of your transactional currency. It gives your clients this experience worthy of telling their friends. And if you do that, they will tell their friends without a doubt, 100%. Clients are seeking impact, awe, excitement. It's just, I think it's because mediocrity and complacency is is really epidemic right now. I mean, I think in the last five years, 10 years maybe even, that that has really become mediocrity is something to be avoided. That is the kiss of death if for me to ever consider something I do mediocre. I want to I want to do it in a big way all the time. And our our passion and excitement for why we get up in the morning day after day is contagious to clients. You must believe that. That is what can be and should be your stock and trade too. And they feel it and they'll gravitate to you if you embrace the changing face of today's consumer with a real desire to deliver the best possible experience on this design journey they have chosen to go on with you. Last week, I'm just thinking about this consult that Cheryl and and Libby went on and Cheryl and I were talking about it because we kind of agreed like, okay, we're probably at the point where we really probably shouldn't take anything else on before the end of the year. Definitely But not. then they go to the house and they get all jazzed up and Cheryl starts texting me. I'm day like, well, maybe we could do this. Day before I go this. out of town too. Okay, <laughs> maybe, we, maybe we should do, what could we get done in the next couple of weeks? Like we've got a ton of great, it's, this particular job is, it's a beautiful house, but they need a lot of kind of the pulling it together part, you know, the furnishings and, and the lot of, accents A lot and of the original art. art, which is Liz and I's, right. you know, it's right bag. up our alley. Yeah, right up our alley. But it's, I, I just, it immediately made me, what you were just saying made me think of it because it's like, do we really have the time or the energy to be doing this right now? Mm. No. Someone might say probably no, but it's hard to not be enthused by that. And I think that sometimes, I, and I think we both, both Cheryl and I do this, when you see that opportunity, it's like, you know, that you need that feeling to like remind yourself that like, this is why we're in it sometimes. And I think it's okay to identify that. I mean, of course, you Mm -hmm. don't want to get yourself so far in the weeds that you then can't cater to the clients you already have and all that. You have to be smart about it. But there is something about being able to 
really enjoy that part of it and to know that like this is something that we're really good at and that's going to give us a good feel and it's going to give the client a good feel and it's a nice little way to you know maybe wrap up a small project or at least get them engaged for something new for well, the new and, year and they have multiple homes okay so right, right. Well, that, that doesn't, doesn't hurt. hurt that doesn't hurt <laughs> you know either to think about that but they were genuinely nice people we talked about Asheville and they they were just like and so enthused about Asheville because we're going there for the holidays and mm. they just were just going on and on about it and I just I genuinely enjoyed my time there. I, I've told y'all before, I love the initial consultation. I mean, I don't care if we're going out and it's like a horse barn and they want to convert it into an <laughs> Airbnb or whatever. I don't care. You know, it's, I really don't. I really enjoy that because I like to get to know the people and what they're all about. And I feel very much in my element to be able to talk about it. And this was pretty good because there was lots of blank and white walls mm. and very neutral. Everything was neutral. I think it was over neutral for them perhaps. And they wanted to, they just want to zhuzh it up, but yeah. they were a delightful, delightful people that I would like to have in my life. And yeah. so it's like, okay, so maybe we do have to reallocate a little here or there or whatever, but it's in our wheelhouse. It's again, we have the resources we, for it. Yeah, we have the resources for it. And and I think they're reasonable enough. They just want, you know, a little bit done before a big party, not a huge amount. And I think we can pull from, from our store and from other areas right. to, to get that done and, and to really build a relationship with them. Right. Okay. I mean, some people might look at it like transactional and, you know, I, I think that that, that a lot of people would. They would look and say, oh, there's a great opportunity to sell some art or right. whatever and some accessories and go in there and just do that. But that's not what we want to do. We really want to find out more about them. I mean, I remember right. they had this little bar and yeah, and they had an area I was asking about their hobbies and things like that because I like to do sometimes accessories that reflect who they are, especially when it's like vintage. I go on the hunt and if you think <laughs> that I'm tracking my time on that, the answer is no. <laughs> it's like part of my hobby. So it's not like a time thing for something like that for me. I don't advocate doing a lot of that, but I do enjoy it. So it's okay. But it's like that, that book that we found for the oh, Gallagher's for and, yeah. and, and that was his, that living room that turned into his living, little yeah. indoor man cave thing. But it was about, it was a turn of the century book and had a lot of stuff about Wall Street on it. And he worked in Wall Street and all that. So it was really just interesting. You know, and I, I told the story to this, this new client too. And I said, that's why I'm asking. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, we like to, to sail and boat, but I don't want any of the boating stuff. And I'm like, no, no, don't worry about that. <laughs> we're not, we're definitely not going to make this coastal home look like with pelicans and and seashells and things like that. That's not our style at all. And then just talking about things like the vintage, you know? And, yeah. and remember, they came into the shop and Liz happened to be here on a Saturday, which yeah. I thought was very fortuitous. And she embraced them to come in when I know that she probably was saying, there's probably 15 things I need to be doing right now. But she embraced them to come in and look around. And our shop is a riot of color and excitement and texture and all that. That's not the way their home is. Mm. So the fact that they went forward with the console and really wanted us to hire them, it says something too. But I think that when I, I asked them about, they had a bar area and I said, oh, did you look at the vintage glass? Because some of this would be so perfect up here. And I could see their eyes lit up about that. And we talked a little bit about the whole vintage that we like to infuse every job with a little bit of vintage, especially with my mid-century barware collection that I have here and all of that. And she really lit up about that. So you can tell when you are on that initial consult, you can see things, you, you throw things out there to see, because some people with a third or fourth or fifth home, they really don't care as much. They're more like, just make it look good for the party or whatever. But these people weren't like that. I mean, it was a stunning view. I don't know how in the world. I said, I don't know how you guys can leave here because this is just 
just incredible. But I think that some of those things are really what builds that connection and sitting there talking about Asheville. And then I talked to him about the trip that I was going on the next day. And we just talking in general. And it was by that time, probably 630 at night or something. I'm not looking at my clock. I'm not doing like someone says, and it was like a coach that says something about where you go into the job and you only look at the rooms that they are said to you on their little form or whatever. And I just think that is just ridiculous. I'm sorry. I just think that's ridiculous. You know, I'm there and we charge a good fee for it because it is time consuming. It is something that's going on, but I want to get to know that person a little bit on it. And so I don't know. I just think that that sort of thing sometimes is there's too many people that are worried about the clock and worried about yeah, those kinds of things. can't see that opportunity in something that might not hit some other wickets. We obviously have to be smart about it and we're not going to put ourselves in a bad situation, but for the type of business that we do, for the place that we're at, for the team that we have, for the resources that are at our fingertips, we know pretty well when we can get into something yes. and turn it around versus when it's going to be problematic. And I think those are the and type of things- rules are made to be broken, right? Right. And <laughs> the rule the was no things. more jobs for the end of the year, but now the rule has been broken. Right. So. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But those are the type of things that I think you have to be more proactive to be conscientious of when people are getting in touch with you or or when they're resonating with certain things on your website that maybe you didn't position them that way or you didn't think that that's how it was going to turn out those are opportunities to either identify you need to readdress something on your website or you need to say well is this something that we've not considered before or is this something that we need to be catering to because you have the business calling and we're always all about trying to figure out like is this something that we can turn into something good for yeah, us? Right. Can we, again, medium meeting somebody where they are and what they need. And I would have told you, we've had three or four jobs. I think one we're meeting with this week on zhuzhing up these beautiful homes and doing that. And, and granted, I'm all about the end profit. So I'm going to make it profitable for my company because I can't stay in business and service these clients if I'm not. Okay, so you have to figure out a way to make it. I'm not saying you take every little job that comes along or anything else. That's not the idea here. But you can make these worthwhile. And honestly, you know, a few years ago, we were more focused on only the bigger jobs and only going horizontal with clients and developing that. And now I think we've done a good job with that. We have a really good core group of clients that are going to keep coming around and all of that. But I think there's something to be said for trying to meet people where they are and developing a service that might work for them if you've got the manpower to do it. Or as I always say, hire it. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't got it now, then figure it out. And then hire that. It's interesting. I don't, I mean, I hate to like blame everything on COVID, but I do wonder sometimes like how much of that transition that we all had to work through. I mean, obviously we were all freaking slamming busy and it was, you know, it was a lot for a lot of reasons, good and bad, but it's almost like you get into this habit of expecting things are not going to go on schedule. They're not going to go to plan. People are going to have to be more patient, blah, blah, blah. But you know that they're going to still show up every day because they need you. They need to get it done. They need to have this. They need to have that. I think it almost lowers your threshold for having to really identify what to cater to. And when you then think about how that progresses and how that changes maybe a habit pattern either in yourself or in your team, we're out of that now. 
things have restabilized and, and things are changing ever more for what's coming up in the new year. So being able to really look at that and say, how have we maybe gotten a little lazy about how it is that we approach mm-hmm. these things or where are the holes in how it is that we're catering to people in a more authentic way so that the engagement isn't so transactional. Those are the spaces I think that people need to be looking at, just like you've been saying about really honing in on what it is that your ship is going to be sailing for next year, because none of us really know what's going to happen. And you want to be able to make the most out of every opportunity that you have so that you can genuinely say as the year goes on next year that you you didn't miss out you know you didn't look at things from a a you weren't caught blindsided yeah because i'm here to tell you right now (laughs) so you can't say you're you're caught blindsided and that's part of the disruptive reinvention that i am uh that coined a few weeks ago or months ago or whenever it was that we sort of then put on the podcast Mm -hmm. because we feel like that sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, we can't do that episode because it's going to be too, people are going to take it as negative or they're going to be trying to persuade people to look at things differently. And I'm thinking I got to mix it up a little bit so that people don't get mad at me or whatever. But but I do think that that's really why we're here is for a little bit of disruptive reinvention and also saying things that maybe you already know, but you need someone like us or me to come out and actually say it because there's so much crap out there saying the same same old thing. I don't know how in the world that happened, but there's so much saying the same exact words over and over again. And it's just like time to wake up. I think people are, you know, these coaches and mentors and whatever have been taking, you know, the low hanging fruit uh, and not going for people. I, I want thinkers mm-hmm. in my group. I want thinkers. I want people to be considered. I want, I want people that are intentional. That's the people that we market to from in the designer realm. I'm not going for the mass designer sort of thing too. And here's the other thing too, before I forget, cause we're going to run out of time here is that you really have to hone in on your superpower. What is your superpower? And are you marketing that superpower? Our superpower is really knowing where to best allocate the funds our clients want to invest in their project. It's a bit of an art, some science and a whole lot of creativity to kind of understand that give and take needed to balance the high and the low, because that's what we do a lot is balance the high and low in the best interest of the client and the project. But this is what we do. And this is what we consider one of our uh, superpowers. And, And along with that, I think another thing that that we do well is we focus on the final production, the show-stopping sort of theater about it. Remember, I was lettered in in drama in high school, so I, I use a lot of theater analogies here. But we focus on that and not necessarily the programming required to get to that opening day. We're gonna deliver a creative vision And we hone in on that idea with a client from day one. We start talking about the creative vision, not about sofas, not about cabinets and not about countertops and not about lamps and things like that. But those are just elements of the creative vision. And if you can master this, this is how you sell your talent and not make it about the price. Mm. I have to think too, I mean, we're getting to the end of the year here, so it's always like a good time to be reflective about this, but... I think that the more proactive that you can be about this sort of assessment and really like identifying what are the things that you want to be able to do more of, 
What are the type of things that you feel are maybe not as appreciated or not as vocalized in the way that you are marketing to people? Mm-hmm. Those are the opportunities for you to see if you can make a shift in the leads that you have coming in or that can help maybe for you to cater to people who you weren't thinking of before that would be a great fit for what it is that you offer. The more that you can really analyze what it is that you're putting out there in all the yep. different ways, all the different formats, those are your opportunity spaces. It's not always about just putting more money towards your advertising right. on house or whatever, not that right. that isn't important too, but really being intentional about how you position what it is that you wanna say and where you know your heart is in the process of what yeah. it is that you design. Totally, totally agree with that. Okay, here's our damn good truth for today. There are so many ways to make business work for you and there does not need to be a one size fits all because let's face it, one size does not fit all but only a few people have the insane determination to do the work that has to be done, focusing on the pinnacle, not to just build a business, but an outstanding one. Building a franchise for your specific brand must become part of your business DNA by going where others are either too scared to venture or too asleep at the wheel to care. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We hope you enjoy what you heard today and enjoy the podcast. And if you do, please leave us a review or hop over to damngooddesigner.com for more Cheryl and Liz. If you can take any more today, uh, we would love to have you join our community at Small Business Think Big. All of that, all the things, all the things. So thank you very much. Bye, y'all. Until next time, stay bold, stay inspired, and keep embracing your bag girl spirit. If you've enjoyed today's show, head over to join the community at damngooddesigner.com to continue the conversation and sign up for our newsletter.